Hello and welcome to Adventures in Venueland, an EAMC podcast. This is your all-access pass to go backstage and behind the scenes with some of the brightest minds that cross the scope of the live entertainment industry. I'm Dave Rettelberger. And I'm Paul Hooper. We'll introduce you to some of our favorite people as we dive deep into the world of live touring shows and the venues that host them. Hello and welcome to a special detour episode of Adventures in Venueland, an EAMC podcast. I'm Dave Rettelberger, and along with my co-host, Paul Hooper, today's episode is a little different. It's a detour or a side trip, a mini bonus episode where we take a single serving look at a topic impacting the live entertainment industry. And joining us today, very excited, great timing as some big things are happening. Uh, our adventure takes us to Los Angeles uh, where we're talking with Michael Terry. He is the Director of Communications and Media Strategy for U.S. Figure Skating, which is the national governing body for the sport of figure skating in the U.S. He's also uh, held positions with USA Badminton, the USA Swimming, University of Georgia. He's been a, a press officer at two different Olympic Games and multiple major international figure skating competitions, while also directing media and press operations uh, at international figure skating competitions domestically. Michael, welcome. That's a, that's a heck of an intro there for you. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to be on with you guys. So where, you know, as we're recording this here, uh, am I right? You are on your way to Beijing. Yeah, a little pit stop here in uh, in Los Angeles, uh, normally based out of Colorado Springs, a little pit stop here in Los Angeles, and uh, we'll get on the flight tomorrow morning and uh, I think get to Beijing on, on Friday afternoon, Friday night. And so once you get there, uh, you're obviously an Olympic veteran, but this, this, this one's a little different, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, it is. You know, I think it's going to be, uh, they're always a little different, you know, and, and we kind of have the advantage of Tokyo happening six months ago. So we, we know a little bit of what to expect, but we'll get off the plane. We'll go through a testing protocol. Uh, we'll go to the hotel, wait on, wait on results. And then, uh, assuming everything comes back good, which we, which we hope it does. We'll, uh, you know, probably be in the practice venue uh, later in the day on Saturday. So um, really excited to be over there. I think it's, it's uh, you know, no matter when the, the Olympic Games happen, there's always this, this energy around sure. it. And, and I grew up in Atlanta. I was in Atlanta in 96. I was a kid. And that's sort of when I caught the, caught the bug. And uh, it's been a really great sort of area of sports to work in. You mentioned that the Summer Games just recently happened, which I, I'm sure that's a a bit of a weird thing that they're that close, but also maybe helpful, like you said, because at least you have something somewhat recent on that same scale that you can kind of look to and use it as a, you know, whether it's learning from it, whether it's understanding the protocols, whatever that is. And obviously things are changing, you know, day by day, but, you know, is that, is that a helpful thing probably because you have something in a little more recent memory than, you know, two to whatever, four years later. Yeah, I think on the on the operation side, it's definitely helpful because um, you know we we sort of know what was done in Tokyo, and obviously Beijing will be a little bit different. But from an operational side, a media operation side, we we know what happened there, and also the media has a better idea of what worked and what didn't. So you know how can, how can we sort of within the all the rules for rights holders and all that make sure that we're you know giving the media what what they need if they if they can't travel um, because I think there there are a lot of media that 
maybe aren't they didn't go to Tokyo, maybe they're not going to Beijing, and and what can we do to make sure that they can still cover cover the sport of figure skating as as, as they do every every four years. And I think it's it's also for us every four years we get the spotlight. I mean, figure skating is big every year, but every four years we get this bigger spotlight. And sure. how, how do we make sure that even in the midst of a, of a pandemic, right, that we're still capitalizing on that, still allowing, you know, some of these small newspapers, right, where we have clubs and learn to skate programs and all that, but they're still able to cover the sport and, and get the sport out into their local ecosystem. You know, I know that if I don't get to, if I don't do something in my routine, you know, every, like if we don't ha- go a couple of weeks without a show, sometimes I get a little bit rusty, right? Or if we don't announce something for a month. When you haven't done an Olympics in four years, <laughs> yeah, do, you, do yeah. you get a little rusty? Uh, you know, I, I I always joke that the reason they they separate in four years is just for the press officers because they they forget how busy and horrible it is uh, by, right. by year four, <laughs> so they stick on for another Olympics. Um, just you know, enough for them to get excited again, and then they're like, <laughs> yeah, "Oh yeah, this thing." <laughs> exactly. You remember all the good parts. No, you know, I I think that. Um, you know, we're lucky in figure skating and that it, it's a it's a pretty big deal every year. Um, and, and obviously the pandemic has, has changed some things, but we've got 80 hours on NBC every year, NBC and, and NBC's family networks every year. We, we have, you know, our world championships every year are a big deal with, you know, 500, 600 media there. So we we're able to sort of stay game ready. Obviously, the Olympics is a totally different beast. Um, even the U.S. championships in Olympic year is a is a different beast. We double or double the number of media that are there. But sure. I think for the, I think for the most part, you know, we're able to stay sharp, you know, and, 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 and honestly, the Olympics sometimes can be even a little bit easier because they're spread out over a, a two, three week period, all these competitions. Normally we would have all the same competitions in a five day period at a world championship. So, um, and, and we also bring a lot more staff at a world championships. Maybe I'm the only one that goes at, a, at Olympics. We've got three people on our communications team that are going over there, plus some sure. operation support and logistical support. So, I, you know, I, I don't know. I think, I think it's, it's definitely, uh, you get there and you say, Oh yeah, okay. I remember this, but, um, we are lucky in that we, we do get to stay kind of sharp throughout the year. Michael, somebody's listening right now and they think, you know, I, I, I think I'd like to do this. <laughs> what is this day like for you? I mean, you know, when you when you're looking at the you know the time change and uh, the intensity of this, I imagine that when you're trying to take care of what's happening live as well as you know what's happening in the states and and keeping all that coordinated, uh, right. are you get you getting much sleep over the next few weeks? <laughs> uh, you know, probably, probably not as much as I'd, I'd like, you know, it's a, it's a team effort. Uh, we're, we're, like I said, we're going to have three of us in, in Beijing, just on communications. We'll have, uh, we actually have our one more person that'll be back in, in Colorado, uh, doing a lot of our social and digital stuff. You know, we're, we're a lucky sport and national governing body and that we've got, you know, we have an art team, we have a team that does video. So it, it does take a little bit of that pressure off. You know, it, it's it's really fun though, and it's really exciting. And I, I think back to 2018 in Korea, which is my first Olympics with with figure skating, and just the the uh, you know the the time change, right? The Today Show I think started at uh, 10 p.m. and then you know there'd be another show that would start at 11 p.m. local time for for here in the U.S. and we we try to have skaters on that you know every night. So it was a very much like a you know, you'd sleep from like two or three in the morning to maybe eight or nine and you'd, you'd rinse and repeat, but it's, it's, you got so much adrenaline. I mean, you guys know this from, from working in events, yeah. right? You guys have a big show come in or a, a playoff game or whatever. And you're like, all right, this is awesome. This is why I do this. So I, I, I think it's a lot of fun and you also have to pinch yourself. Like you, you know, in, in 2018, I remember walking out, getting to the arena for the first time and 
I'd been in, in Rio with a smaller sport, but this is figure skating at the, at the winter Olympics. And I remember I walked out and was standing right by the ice and just was kind of looking around and you, you see the rings and it just, it, it's really unlike anything else. And I was like, this is cool. This is like, I'm, I'm lucky to, to be here. Yeah. And what an international event too. I mean, you know, I'm sure it's, you know, there's something like going to the Super Bowl or something after watching it or, mm-hmm. or any of these other kind of big national events, but the Olympics catches the eyes of everyone in the world and people remember distinctive like athletes and years and almost earmark it across their own life. And like, oh, yeah. I remember I watched this one with my yes. dad yes. and da, 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 da. I watched this one. And I have a similar memory in that I went to those Atlanta Olympics and it was this just big burned in memory uh, that I have of just what that experience was. So I'm sure that's just on another level. And is that from a communications uh side it's got to be very different too to work with a lot of international media you know a lot of people that maybe listen to this you know they work mostly with regional or local maybe some national but you know Mm -hmm. is that a challenge if you're working with international media like do you have to you know work with translators like what what level of that does that add uh you know in, in figure skating you know every year there's a you know for example japan we, we usually go to japan every year with china we have a competition and go to europe a couple of times so we are a pretty international sport which is which is good because i think our athletes are, are used to it i'm relatively used to it i think it's a lot of fun i've, I've gotten to know some reporters and journalists in, in different countries and i was just texting this morning with a friend of mine in japan who i haven't seen in you know two and a half years now but um and and i've kind of gotten to know some people and it's just it, it's really cool you know, and I, I come from, I was working in college football down in, in Georgia before this. And so it's like, it's, it's a lot different than that. Uh, but you get sure. to know these people just all around the world. And then you see them maybe once a year, you know, twice a year at these figure skating events. And uh, you just think like, wow, like this is, this is neat. Like I have this, you know, someone that I, you know, during while COVID was going on, I was texting with them in, in Japan and we were comparing notes about how things were going over there and how things were going over here. So, you know, I, it's just, it's really, it's really interesting. I think another thing that for the Olympics, it's especially cool is they have a, an entire broadcast mix zone. Um, so they have a, a mix zone for all the, you know, the print reporters and then just the broad, the rights holders have their own area. And it's this huge area. And if you go sort of stand behind it, uh, when a competition's going on and there's several athletes in there, the number of different languages that you hear, you know, all at one time, it's just, it's fascinating. And it really is kind of the definition of you know, this, this thought that sport can bring people together. And, and yeah, I, I just, sure. you sit there in the mix zone and you've got people, you know, these reporters from totally different corners of the earth, right. All, all talking next to each other, doing the same job. It's just, it's really neat to see. So cool. Hey, uh, you know, as you know, you guys just came off a, uh, a big event at, uh, at Bridgestone arena in Nashville. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, one of the things that's gotta be interesting is, getting to you know we are arena nerds right mm-hmm. we love to go to other venues and check them out but getting to see venues you know globally has got to be yeah. quite an experience but tell me is there is there really a difference between an, an arena in you know uh nashville and an arena in korea <laughs> you know not really uh they're they're all the same i think the the uh you know, obviously like the, the way they're laid out, maybe is a little bit different back of house. I think the, the arenas here in the U S might, might just be like a little bit bigger. Uh, you know, one, one thing that's kind of interesting is the type of, uh, ice resurfacer that they use in some of these arenas in Japan 
is significantly smaller than than like a, a Zamboni or an Olympia ice machine that that's used here in the U.S. So the sort of the, the back of house may be a little bit different, but no, they're all they're all the same. You know, there's just they look a little bit different, um, but they operate the same. And I mean, you know, that's another really cool part about this job is to go to all these different arenas. I mean, we were just at Bridgestone. Uh, we've had a few events in, in Las Vegas at, at the Orleans Arena. We've been to SAP Center, um, XL Energy Center in Minnesota. I mean, and you get to see all these different arenas. And um, as someone who, you know, like works in sports and, and generally likes sports, it's kind of fun to be watching a game on TV and be like, hey, I remember I remember what the tunnel looks like at that, at that building. And, and Bridgestone Arena, I mean, you, you mentioned that, just a great facility and a great staff there. And, you know, they, they were really, really great to work with. What's it uh, to kind of take it a different direction? I was I was watching some of the, uh, that event that was going on in Bridgestone, and I was making this remark. I think I I talked to my mom the next day or something. We were talking about it, and she's like, "Oh man, like it's just like everyone does a quad now." And we were kind of reminiscing <laughs> on like like the last Olympics, even or the one before, and it's like, will this one person possibly? do a quad in competition and then now it's like it's the standard everyone's doing 40 of them otherwise you can't medal and is that i mean i'm sure from a media side that's got to be a really exciting thing because it's just that progression in the sport is always adding this level of intensity and just bringing eyes you know progression in any sport does that because everyone loves that that news story of like this is the first person to do it yep. or the first person to do it this many times so that's yeah. got to be really exciting. It, it is. And uh, as someone who has no uh, background or experience or skill uh, at skating on ice um, or skating anywhere for that matter, uh, it just, it, I mean, I listen, I think when they do a double, it's cool, right? I mean, if they right. backwards, <laughs> right, right, right. cool, in my opinion, they're going so, forward um, and not falling yeah. over. How do they do that? <laughs> you know, that was the biggest thing. Like when I started working at, at US figure skating, I, you know, to be honest, I was kind of like, I, I needed a job. I was out of, I was getting out of grad school and I had done some stuff in the Olympic movement. I'm like, oh, we'll, we'll try this. And I mean, when you watch figure skating in person, especially, I mean, it's, and it's great on TV and the cameras and the sounds, they put these mics in ice now, which are really awesome. But like when you watch it in person, the, the speed and the power uh, that it takes for someone like Nathan Chen to go up and, and do a quad, it's unbelievable. I, I don't know how they do it. And then they, they do like seven of them in a program. Uh, you know, while while uh, while remembering this choreography, I mean, aside from the quad, I think the hardest part about figure skating is like remembering like well, the order of the stuff you have to do. Like I, I that would be the hardest part right, for me. Right, yes, that I like right. I like have like nightmares sometimes. I wake up and I'm like, oh, <laughs> like, you know, I'm like I was in ice and I forgot the program. So uh, it is it is cool and it does help with this this media narrative that you know and, I, and of like of, of the, the sport and how much it's growing and progressing and, and how hard it is. Um, and I, I think that really helps when, when we're looking to, you know, try to get coverage, uh, you know, in a place like Nashville, maybe which a lot of people don't think is a traditional figure skating market. Um, but like people will pay attention to the first, you know, the first guy to do seven quads in a program or whatever it is. Right. And I, I think that that really right. does help. So, you know, obviously the next, you know, couple of weeks, Olympic fever. Right. And then what does March and then beyond look like for you? Yeah. Um, well, we, we have our, uh, we're one of these sports that we still do a world championships, uh, in an Olympic year. So wow, okay. uh, we'll, get, we'll get back from, uh, get back from the games, uh, late February. And then we've got the world championships in, I think it's the third week of March this year. 
and then uh you know we also have another u.s figure skating also there's a there's a sport called synchronized skating which is not in the olympics um but it's a domestic and international competition and we have that those u.s synchronized skating championships actually going on uh two weeks after we get back so we're still like full full steam ahead uh when we, when we get back from the games and then uh maybe we'll, we'll be able to take a little bit of break in may and june and start planning for the next squad Fingers crossed. Hey, while you've got this big group of marketers and uh, arena and event people listening, uh, what do you want people to know about U.S. figure skating? You know, I think it's U.S. figure skating and probably the whole Olympic movement. I think that, you know, it's a it's I think it's an often like overlooked sort of corner of the sports world. You know, I, I know, you know, we're hiring positions right now. Right. And sometimes it's like, hey, we yeah, all are. Yes, whole, yes. I know there's like this whole other sort of area of sports that maybe a lot of people don't necessarily think about um you know i got into it because i had i was a swimmer growing up so i i knew about usa swimming and then i interned for them and then kind of got exposed to the whole thing and i think that you know there's this whole sort of you know sports ecosystem that it's not the nfl it's not the nba but it's cool we put on big events i think a lot of times people think about olympic sports and they think they're really small um and there definitely are some smaller national governing bodies but you know the USA swimmings and the US figure skatings and the USA hockeys of the world, right? Put on really big events and really cool events. And they're, they're really well run. We have good partners. We have good media uh, rights deals. And, and I, I definitely think if, you know, someone that's either uh, like looking to looking to make a transition or, or maybe it's a venue looking to fill some dates, I think that, uh, you know, Olympic sports sometimes can be a little overlooked. If people want to follow U.S. figure skating or even if people want to follow you uh, 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 on your adventures, are you out there publicly uh, for you or uh, figure skating? What what plugs you want to give here? Yeah, <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> figure skating, I, I do think that uh, we're, we're just U.S. figure skating on all the on all the social media platforms. Um, and I think we, we've got some good content plans for uh, the next uh, five or six weeks and after that. But I'm really excited about some stuff that we have planned for the next five or six weeks. You know, and we'll see. I'll, I might be tweeting a little bit from uh, from from Beijing, but I've kind of learned that uh, when I'm at an event, I, I sort of go quiet on social. But it's uh, Michael F. Terry is my Twitter handle. There you go. Hey, thank you so much for sharing this. I know you're a busy man, and it's it's going to be crazy. Best of luck there in in Beijing, and uh, really enjoyed hearing about your uh, your adventures. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. This was great. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much. And a big thanks to everybody for listening to this special detour episode of Adventures in Venueland. Remember, you can subscribe and find more episodes wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We'd love your five-star reviews so you can help others find us. Until the next adventure, I'm Dave Rettelberger. And I'm Paul Hooper. Thanks for listening, everyone. Adventures in Venueland is a side project of the Event and Arena Marketing Conference, a nonprofit organization bringing together people in the field of live entertainment to discuss marketing, publicity, and sales trends. Find out more at eventarenamarketing.com. Audio editing and mixing by Camille Faulkner. Design and digital advertising by Megan Ebeck. Copywriting and publicity by Samantha Marker. Guest Booking and Brand Strategies by Paul Hooper. Guest Research by Dave Rettelberger. Marketing Strategies by Paul Hooper, Megan Ebeck, and Samantha Marker. Thanks for joining us. Until the next adventure.